2019. Welcome back to Teed Up. This is an awesome episode. I'm super pumped. We have Jenna Kingsley on the show today. She is a super, super, super funny person that I actually discovered through Twitter, uh, and we became friends thereafter. Ironically, a lot of this episode is talking about how we spend too much time online and we are fed so much content that it's really hard to absorb good content. Uh, Jenna is one of those people that I consider... Uh, a producer of really great content. So you can follow her at jennakingsley.com. We have a lot of fun things to talk about today, including the infamous egg, uh, the 2009-2019 some type of weird photo challenge that's going on on Instagram. But one of my favorite topics finally comes to light, which is ways to improve online dating. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. All right. It's 2019. New Year, same podcast. This is Teed Up. I'm very excited today for my guest. She's Jenna Kingsley, uh, writer, actor, comedian, uh, extraordinaire. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So Jenna and I actually connected through her content that she created. I remember, I think it must have been around 2014, Um, I was scrolling through my Twitter feed and saw a bunch of news stories about this real-life social media experiment going on. And I clicked through, and it was Jenna's video. And Jenna recorded a bunch of content uh, in that time period. And I really feel like she was one of the first people to get ahead of recording scripted content that went viral, um, which you don't see too much of these days. And we're going to dive into why that is. Um, But I want Jenna to kind of walk us through how she got started doing all this and how uh, it's going to play a role in in the future if we're even able to absorb any content these days because we're kind of stuck in a content overload right now. I agree with you. Totally. I agree with you. Um, Yeah. So when you started recording your videos, you know, what was the inspiration for them? How did how did you get started doing that? Well, I had, uh, you know, I've always been a writer and I grew up doing theater and, um, you know, I went to NYU journalism school. I hated uh, doing straight up journalism because there was no freedom for creativity, but I always loved my, you know, creative writing classes and my radio classes and, um, when I graduated, I did a lot of improv at UCB theater. Um, I actually did stuff for UCB had a a television show on comedy central. So, uh, it was like Amy Poehler, Matt Besser, those, uh, and I would do random like background characters for them because I practice at the theater. Um, and then I, I stopped and then I started writing a blog actually under a pen name because I wanted to get back into writing. Um, And I didn't even know what a blog was. I certainly wasn't reading any blogs. This was back in the very early days of blogs. And um, it was called Darcy Dates. I wrote it under a pen name. And I wrote it about dating as a single mom in New York City. And they were funny, short stories. And so I sent it to six people who sent it to six more. And suddenly that became kind of a thing. Um, and I was approached to turn into television shows and all of that. Um, and then I came out of the closet as Jenna, 
uh, Kingsley. Uh, so I had to stop writing Darcy because obviously no one would date me anymore if they knew I wrote about them. It's basically, um, it was your Borat moment where Sasha <laughs> Baron Cohen can't play Borat anymore. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So um, I started writing for magazines and newspapers and my agent uh, at the time suggested I try stand up and I was like, you are out of your mind. That's so scary. I would never do that. Um, and I tried it and it happened to go way better than I thought. And I very quickly got my first, uh, TV appearance doing stand up, and I was, you know, doing regular stand up. And when I was writing for these magazines, I always would pitch them kind of doing these social experiments that I wanted to write about. Um, I had written a beauty column called the lady project where I would try, it was a low maintenance girl's guide to becoming high maintenance. Uh, I wrote that for a big beauty website. Um, and I would go get these beauty treatments done and then write about them like in a funny way, you know? Uh, but I would pitch magazines, these ideas of, doing uh like these crazy social experiments and then writing about it and every magazine was like nobody is gonna like that so i was like okay um and i was just dying to do it i've always loved pranking people always i was a huge fan of the jerky boys of like candy camera of all like hidden camera things and i'm really good at keeping a straight face so i had written i don't know if you read any of the sky mall stuff i wrote no, um, i haven't but I wrote this one piece about Sky Mall, and then from there, then I wrote another piece where I interviewed the CEO of Sky Mall, whose name is was shit's closed now, but Christine Aguilera, and she like was this blonde. So I did a whole interview with her on the differences between her and Christina Aguilera, and that that piece kind of went viral in the business space, which was really kind of crazy to me. I was not expecting that. Um, but people love Sky Mall. And then from there, it's a long story, but I ended up, someone wrote to me about a blanket, uh, that they had because Christina Aguilera said her favorite item in the Sky Mall catalog was the slanket, which was a blanket with no arm with arms or something. And someone wrote to me and said that they were the creator of the Throby, which was the, you know, unlike the slanket, it had a back. So you did, you didn't have to wear clothes. So I was like, give me one. I'll wear it everywhere. So uh, they sent me one and I wrote an article where I literally wore it all over the city in different kind of outfits. Um, and so people loved that piece. And I was like, see, people will read these kind of social experiments. So when I did my stand-up, I pitched to the producers of that television show um, this idea to film these pranks that I had. And the pranks or social experiments I wanted to do were ones that were very socially conscious. So like sometimes you see like these prank videos and it's like pushing someone in a wheelchair down the street and they're like falling out, but they're fine. I wanted to do things that were based on the things that we were doing as people that we didn't realize how ridiculous they looked. Um, and I didn't necessarily want to make fun of people, but I wanted to show them like, look what we're doing. How do you think this looks? And so I shot the Starbucks, I shot the Starbucks video, um, not thinking anything of it other than I loved the idea. Uh, we went to five different Starbucks. They were hitting cameras. Starbucks did not know that we were filming. Um, and we, 
uploaded it. I uploaded it to YouTube. I tweeted it out, not thinking anything of it. And like a couple hours later, someone called me and told me I was on television. I was like, for what? And uh, basically the news had picked it up um, and it was going viral. And I just like, I was stunned. It was like in every headline everywhere. And when Uh, you say the news, we're not just talking about like low level local news channels. This was like CNN, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was the Today Show. uh, Hoda talked about it. She actually made fun of my voice. She said I sounded like a Kardashian. Um, You know, it was all over the place and I was stunned. Um, Because when it's happening, you're like, oh my God. And, And the amount of people coming at you because your exposure is now gone from like nothing to a million you know it's um it's kind of wild and then from there I really wanted to then my next idea is I wanted to film the no selfie zone um and I feel which is hilarious and thank you ahead of its time isn't it cringeworthy a little bit as well just watching it's so cringeworthy I know but it's funny because it just goes to show you I mean back when I shot that I couldn't get over the selfie thing, right? And back then, the only filters that were available were the ones on your actual Instagram. There weren't all these apps that, it, right. like, now are just forget it. I mean, that's a whole other thing. You know, it's a whole other co- conversation. But... Um, oh, we'll cover it. Yeah. But... So I, I shot the no selfie zone. And again, that was one of those weird things where people knew about selfies. I convinced people and that they were dangerous because people were getting injured. Um, and I put up these official city signs. And it's one of those moments where you realize how how the social culture is changing because people believed that you weren't allowed to take selfies in the park in this one area. Um, and I just, it was mine. Like it just blew my mind. And my old manager told me, he was like, don't release that because your Starbucks one did so well that if you release it and it doesn't do well, you're not going to sell any projects. And I was like, no, no, this is going to do well. And I released it. I didn't listen. And that went viral too. And I was like being interviewed on CNN and, and then from there, brands started to approach, and we did some for brands, and uh, yeah, that's that's how that started. And so what we've kind of talked about is how you were one of the first people, I feel, to really kind of nail this idea that you can have scripted content go viral, and then have brands approach you to work with them. Today, we call that influencer marketing, and it's brands going to celebrities when I say celebrities I use that in a loose term it's you know people with high followings on social media and Mm -hmm. it's just such a different world and when we were talking about it we were talking like this world was 20 years ago that that you it wasn't it was four years ago and so much has changed in the last four to five years where it's really hard to I feel get your content noticed now you know do you think you'd have the same success with these videos in 2019 as you did back in 2014 okay so for me what's interesting is when you talk about influencers um it's funny because you know back then 
the biggest thing was how many Twitter followers do you have? This was like, you know, when Instagram had not become the Instagram that it is now. Uh, so everyone wanted to know how many Twitter followers you had. And if it was a YouTube video, they wanted to know how many YouTube subscribers you had. And I didn't have any when I started. I mean, I had Twitter followers from my like writing, but I didn't have any YouTube subscribers until I made my videos. And my numbers still were not like, you know, I didn't have a million subscribers because I wasn't one of those YouTubers that just made content every day, just taught like vlogging and stuff. Um, and so people, it's funny, people couldn't wrap their head around the, the split that I was making these videos that were going internationally viral, which most YouTube videos, you know, don't, right? These influencers who are making videos aren't usually in the news. And mine were going internationally viral. They were being translated into other languages. But still, they were like, well, you don't have enough followers. And I was like, I know, but like, if you look at the actual media like analysis I think I had I, the reach was like hundreds of millions or some there's some formula they do so um yeah, I, I started my career in PR so what we would do you know is any type of media hit any type of television hit you just look at the audience size I mean you still do exactly. this TV, but it's you know in the hundreds of millions versus you know I have a hundred thousand YouTube subscribers but the direction that we've gone now lately is just looking at those those vanity numbers and it's all about how people are actually following you versus how many people are you reaching through yeah yeah so anyway sorry i went off topic of what you were saying a little bit but uh i don't i always wonder what would happen in this climate because the news cycle before this presidency was not what it is now we are in a news cycle where there is a new massive headline hitting seemingly every hour, right? So um, I could barely keep up with what's going on. So I just don't know how a headline like that would not get lost in the mix of what, you know, the government was doing right now or whatever. Um, There are things that happen, you know, like, you know, uh, I know you and I spoke before this about the Gillette ad that just came out. Now that's a big controversy. So like things like that, you know, things that people are getting offended by or they make the news cycle. But again, it's here today, gone tomorrow. It's not lingering for weeks because there's something else right behind it. And not only that, but all of these influencers seem to be uh, the only people who are really people are placing value on their content, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of talented people out there. But if they don't have a million followers, they're not working. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. And look, there's a value in influencer marketing. I, I was involved. I started an influencer marketing company in, in the gaming space, and it was really successful for you know being able to drive you know people to play the games we were promoting at the time um so there are it's a valuable marketing tool but what it also has is a side effect that creates um not necessarily the best talent is the one are are the people who have the most followers and i would say like if i were in your shoes i'd be almost offended at times looking at the content that's being put out because you're putting a lot of thought and effort into to this into your videos um you know, whereas a lot of the brands these days are kind of approaching people and the content is not of the highest quality, but because it's reaching so many people because they have this dedicated built-in audience, it's much easier for, for these 
quote unquote content creators um, to, to, to make money, quite frankly, in the industry um, and advance their careers. But it's not really eliciting maybe the most creativity. Yeah. Totally. So that is kind of, it's a very weird dynamic that has gone on with that. But I also am curious, and I think none of us actually know the answer to this, is whether or not there's going to be a backlash against this whole influencer thing, because there's so many of them now. There's so much. There's too much. There's too much stuff going on that, you know, I know me, like I used to love Instagram because I liked it more than Facebook, I liked it more than, you know, but now, you know, it was because like, oh, every day, like I'd see one new picture in my feed. Right. And now every second there's a million new pictures. I don't even follow that many people, but there's like a million new ads, pictures, whatever. And there's algorithms. And I, I like, I put, I usually don't even like spend time looking at it. Cause I'm like, it's too much. I, I can't, it's too much. So I told you. I stop watching, for the most part, other people's Instagram stories. And it's not because I think I'm better than everyone else, or my content's better, or it's just fatigue. Like, I, I get, I'm exhausted by the time I scroll through everyone's video, and like, I can't get through them all, and I'm seeing these fragments of people's lives that are just all over the place. Um, and it kind of goes back to your, your video on social media, like the real-life implications of poking and friending and, and shouting and that you're here, it, but it's so magnified now that yep. by the time I get through even 10 of my the, of the people I follow's videos, I'm kind of like, what is going on in the world anymore? And then you combine that with, like you said, the current news cycle, which kind of hits you over the head uh, like a tidal wave every two hours. Um, it's information overload. And so what I've done is I've kind of hibernated a little bit from... Instagram. Uh, I, I I don't scroll nearly as much. I, yeah, I love me it neither. still. I still love Instagram because I love photos and I actually love sharing photos and I'm into photography and also like I do have funny friends such as yourself and so I don't want to miss the content you're putting out. Unfortunately, the way things are set up, and maybe they'll do some product in you know upgrades to kind of make the the content you want to see rise to the top. I don't know if Instagram if you're listening. Here's some free product advice, but um, it's it's hard to know like what to filter out and what not. So I kind of choose to just bury my head in the sand like an ostrich right now on Instagram, and and I've I feel a little bit saner to be honest. Oh yeah, no, totally. I think I I definitely cannot look at it the way I used to because like I like you said, I mean it's just too much, and I think it makes you like dizzy, and it also kind of. You know, I'm always amazed by what, look, it's it's not fair for me to say this because my job is creating content, right? So I'm like, I'm not snobby about it, but I, I'm thoughtful about, you know, if I make an Instagram story, I want it to be funny. People write to me about my Instagram stories that they're funny. Like that's kind of what my end game is because it's testing content very quickly, very cheaply. Uh, I could test a joke, you know, and kind of see what the response is. Um, and, uh, but I do think that I am wildly blown away by some of the things that people post. 
um, you know, just when they're sitting in restaurants and like just posting their faces at the table and stuff like that. I'm like, what is going on? Who are they looking at? Why are they posting this? Like, what have we become? You know, like when people sing into the camera, you and I have talked about oh, this, this before. Drives me nuts. This drives uh, me nuts. They sing into the camera when they're driving. You can clearly tell they're the one driving the vehicle. And then you see it's like it's not a Hollywood green screen, you know, in the background where, you know, if you're in a movie, they fake the driving. No, it's real life driving. You see people passing on your right side in the images and like that the the Drake the you know do you love me challenge the Kiki challenge Sam this is where I know I'm getting older when I start screwing up the hashtags for the actual challenges right just not like cool. the mannequin challenge yeah it's like oh <laughs> yeah the you know the Drake challenge but yeah so uh, watching that and like seeing people just stop and get out of their car you know another thing we've talked about recently are like the Insta boyfriends and I, I kind of I'm not gonna lie like there could be a point in my life where I just become an insta husband because I'm fascinated by this whole trend that we can dive into. Well, now um, that they're saying that, the, you know, the husbands are running the marketing and making, you know, they're part of the business of their wives who are influencers or Instagram models or whatever they are. So, so if, and my feelings on that is if, if they're good at marketing the business, then there's no shame in doing that. I think there's this right now a struggle for, for brands and marketers to figure out, you know, how to exist in this ecosystem as much as as us being, you know, individual consumers trying to figure out where our place in the world is, you know, as we're in our 30s and getting up there and are we marketing towards kids? Are we marketing towards adults? Are we talking to this audience? Are we not? It's so confusing. And so marketers and brands are, I feel, just as confused right now. And like everyone's strategy right now is kind of blown up the wind, blown out the window. Like no one really knows. I made a joke earlier in the week and I really want to talk a lot about this. So we'll, we're going to jump right into it. I'm in love with the egg. Um, for my listeners who don't know about the egg, uh, some random guy, I think, unless we find out this was like some corporate mastermind, um, some random guy started an Instagram account of just a photo of a generic photo of an egg. Like, it's the most basic egg photo in the world. It's the type of stock egg photo you would see if you Googled egg uh, and Getty Images comes up and it's it's egg. Um but this photo ended up getting more likes. It became the most liked photo on Instagram. I think it still holds the title, although in this current news cycle and content cycle, it probably got dethroned by, like, a chicken or something. I don't know. But uh, that's not even funny. Uh, <laughs> but, but it probably did. Um, right. But it beat out... It was Kylie Jenner, right? Like It beat, it Kylie beat out Kylie Jenner's most liked Instagram picture of all time on Instagram or something. Which was, I think, like her and Travis Scott announcing their baby or something like that. Again, the, the, yeah. the details these days get very fuzzy as I get older. Um, but I, my heart felt warm when the egg one like when, when i saw that like i loved this and i actually became obsessed with the story did I you like the egg did you like it oh, i liked it i, I liked it, it too yeah. I, I think we were all rooting for the egg i was i was so happy egg i made an own photo of my egg that i had here as my bumble default profile picture which really i got so many matches uh based on <laughs> what that says that's about. amazing yeah. I don't know what that says and I didn't really keep the joke going I did throw in a few like oh going on a date would be excellent um 
and I got a kick out of it. It's also why I remain very, very single, world. So uh, if you're out there listening. They're like, you don't look like your picture. You don't look like your egg. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But I got pretty obsessed with it. But I'll tell you one thing now. Uh, I don't really care about it anymore. Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. It's here today, gone tomorrow. It's this was not two gonna... days ago. Yeah, and so the thing with my videos was, you know, the social networking in real life video is still getting shared. It's still going viral. I still am getting people writing to me on LinkedIn or, you know, a lot of Facebook players for different content sites are now picking it up and they want to license it. It's, it's, and that's not happening with like, you know, Kylie Jenner's latest like scandalous Instagram post or Ariana Grande's like it's just not happening anymore so it's just really interesting to see because you're right nobody now it's like okay the egg happened now what it's like we want more we want more we want more the egg is scrambled Uh, the egg is scrambled exactly and it's, it's kind of like you know there used to be you know that famous thing about 15 minutes of fame now it's like 15 seconds Oh, 100%. Uh, it's weird what people gravitate towards for the day and becomes the biggest thing. Um, and there's some types of generational gaps, I feel. Like, I personally would never stick a Tide Pod in my mouth, but, but this was, like, the biggest news story, I feel, out of 2018 that made me bang my head up against the wall was this, was the Tide Pod Challenge. And for me, it was also really <laughs> interesting being in marketing to kind of see how Tide would react to this because it's like and how my local Dwayne Reed would chain up the Tide yeah. like I it like became like a fur coat like it was had chains on it and you had to get it unlocked I would argue and I haven't looked into the sales statistics to back this up I would argue that more Tide pods sold because of this whole thing interesting I, I actually am curious I, I, I actually will Google that after this and we'll follow up potentially on another episode teed up if anyone would care about it, which they won't because... Because it's, it's already happened yesterday. There'll be egg part two. Like, right, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's it's that was crazy to me. and But but that that's the content that kind of went viral. And what you see now with viral content... So your content was really unique. You didn't have a bunch of people then copying you with that specific content. What is really happening now is everyone's copying the latest trend or meme and sharing oh, that. And yeah. the thing that's lately driving me insane uh, is this 10-year... Is it a 10-year uh, challenge? 10-year yeah. challenge. 10-year challenge. So it basically... Who, who started this? I don't like, know. We don't even know. We don't Could know. Could be the egg. Maybe it was the yeah. egg that started it. But the 10-year challenge, for, for those of you, if you haven't... If you're living under a rock um, or don't, like don't socialize with anyone good for you by the way um yeah it's posting a photo of you back in 2009 uh and then comparing it side by side with a photo of you from 2019 and the goal i think of this challenge i'm not really sure why it's a challenge because it's like i don't know what who you're competing against time yourself i, I really don't know but the goal I guess, <laughs> that's is to so look, true by the way what is who, the challenge you what know is, what i didn't even think about it that way what is the challenge i spend way too much time thinking about no it. but um, you're right uh, it is you know what it has the word challenge in it so what's the challenge I, I think the challenge is to look better in the 2019 photo than the 2009 and then that's a whole scary process in itself because 
Okay. You definitely have a lot of filtering. Like, filters have definitely gotten advanced. You made that joke on Twitter, so I won't steal your thunder on that. Okay. But basically, filters have gotten better. Cameras have gotten better. Um, but there's some, like, weird stuff. Like, it's depressing sometimes to look at these photos. Like, how no, that's people are why. trying to cheat the yeah, system but- of looking good in 2019. Like, I got news for you. You may, you probably don't look as good as you did 10 years ago. No, <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because uh, that's why the, the joke that uh, Andy is referring to is on Twitter. I made. I said instead of calling it the 29-2019 challenge, it should be called the We Have Filters Now challenge because everyone is posting an old picture and then a picture of them, like, filtered to look even better, and it's confusing, because I'm like, we see the filters. Like, it's um, it's really, it's a bizarre world that we're living in right now. It's weird, and I keep, whenever like, these, like, mass trends happen, this is where I'm really hoping for <clears throat> the one thing that really disappointed me with the last season of Kirby Enthusiasm was it really didn't incorporate a lot of the modern things that are going on. But can you imagine, like, Larry David participating in the 2009 challenge? <laughs> challenge like, And, like, what would happen as a result? Or, like, there's just so much untapped potential. So, I know. Well, uh, you I have think... a better connection probably to those people than I do. So start whispering in ears uh, to get that happening. <laughs> no, but no, but it is so crazy. I, I Was it an Instagram account or something about Jerry Seinfeld? Like, if Seinfeld was taking place today? Yeah, Seinfeld 2000. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like that. But um, well, who started, like, again, like, it goes back to, I have two questions. Who started this challenge? But also, why is everyone they, choosing uh, to participate? It's in- bizarre. You know, if, if you follow me on my Instagram or anything, Do you, want to you plug know. Right here, right now? Uh, well, my Instagram is Jenna Kingsley with one N, J-N-A-K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y. But I do a lot of, you know, or anyone that follows me on Twitter would know that I really have something against these national holidays that everyone posts oh, about. Um, and finally, when I decided to post about one, I think I chose National Sibling Day. And instead of posting, like, pictures of my siblings, I posted pictures of famous siblings that were, like, famous for the wrong things, like the... the um, Menendez brothers? Menendez brothers. Or I had Angelina Jolie and her brother, like, Frenching. Um, and my actual siblings were like, uh, what about us? And I was like, no, 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 this is funnier. And, like, this, I love you guys, but... It's just a bizarre thing that there's a national holiday every day for something. I mean, you're in marketing. That must be like a marketing. Is that a market? Who started that idea? The hashtag started the idea. So I think what happened when the hashtag was invented, you know, and things started to trend, I think a lot of marketers like said, okay, like we're going to measure success by seeing how many people will hashtag something and we'll get visibility and so all of these fake holidays started coming up. And it's like the episode of Seinfeld where Elaine is sick of celebrating uh, the office birthdays because there's just too much cake. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel that way about the holidays where, like, <laughs> they're happening and everyone's participating in the hashtagging of these national holidays, and that's why they continue to persist. But someone needs to take a stand against... Uh, National Hot Dog Day, and I know I'm gonna get the hot dog union. Oh yeah, they're gonna be angry. Yeah, I like hot dogs. Don't worry, they're doing well. 
you know, America's food. Okay, I mean, actually, hot dogs are not having a good week. Hot oh, they're dogs not? Are a bad I, week. They were not I, served to the Clemson football team. I don't think there was a single hot dog on that table. So oh, yeah. You had, you had yeah. a thousand hamburgers, uh, and I didn't slur my speech, hamburgers. Um... Burgers, not burgers, because that's what our president typed in his Twitter, even though he deleted his tweet and then corrected to hamburgers. We all saw the first tweet. Um, <laughs> but a thousand hamburgers uh, instead of hot dogs. Uh, I don't want to dive too much into that, although there were some great memes coming out of that. I, I, I will admit I like meme culture, which is weird, because I still am like, I think I'm on the border of like being too old for memes at some point. Like, I don't think you're ever too old for memes. Are you kidding not. me? Fair. I don't think, look, I have like, you know, some friends that when, it, when news breaks, I, I make my own memes about it. Um, and cause I try to beat the other memes to the punch to see if I can come up with the joke, but I don't post my memes. They're like really just for my, my circle of friends, my group text. But, um, I think memes are great. A good meme is g- hilarious. Um, and it is weird that we have this like meme culture. It's it's like a, you know, it's everything. It goes back to everything has to be. You know, I used to love Twitter because you had to be funny in 140 characters or less. Um, you know, not, now there's more characters, but now Twitter like it, it doesn't even pay to be funny on Twitter because there's Literally. so much other stuff going on on Twitter that it's like you feel bad even like saying something remotely not yeah, you're, um, you're talking to yourself half the time at this point on Twitter yeah, because there's so much yeah. going on it's like shouting in an empty room yeah like, it's and, just and, a bizarre it's it's just it, you know it changes so much and and um but you know it's even like the reason that I'm going to be doing a podcast is I wanted to get back to writing and producing my own stuff but um you know no one is going to read a blog anymore because everything's streaming or every, anything someone's reading is like in listicles or it's in, you know, a hundred and what's a tweet now? 240 characters. They, they open it up. I don't even know these days. It's hard to keep track. Um, I'm too busy celebrating national hot dog day. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to make hot dogs for dinner. Um, this podcast is not sponsored by Hebrew national or Nathan's or anyone, but if you guys are listening and you want to contribute, Yes, send Andy some hot hot dogs and money. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's it's a weird time. It's it's it, a- it's, it's weird. It's exhausting. Like so, there are a couple of things that are giving me fatigue lately. Living in the modern world of 2019, I told you the Instagram stories are something that just like bog my brain down. Online dating, this is a, an episode in itself. I'm not going to trash the online dating apps. It's been something that I've, like, been hidden, and, like, I've wanted to talk about it on... I've, we've done 10 episodes of Teed Up, and I haven't even really scratched the surface of online dating. But the one thing I will say, because I went back and watched a lot of your videos, and what I'd love to see from you in the future, and we can discuss some fun ideas now, um, but talking about things that give me fatigue, is just, like, how online dating is that same type of idea of high-volume messaging, high-volume content constantly being thrown at you, that's what these apps kind of represent sometimes to me. And I'm not going to bash them because I don't think... I think the apps serve a purpose. I'm going to bash the way some of the people on the apps... It's the people that are, you know, kind of... Well, by the way, by the way, I think I'd probably fall into the category of people you'd bash. And let me tell you why, because... (laughs) Because you don't respond. 
Well, here's the thing. Okay. okay? Hey, here's the thing. Up? I'll sign up if I sign up in one second. You know, you just do some swiping, and then you have so many people write to you, and then you're like, I can't. It's it's suddenly too. I you know, it's overwhelming, and then I'm like, forget it. So. Um, and it's just like Instagram. It's like there's too much content. There's too much to sort through. There's too many. So I too much really, yeah. I mean, I really think that it's that's kind of one of the um, disadvantages to things because sometimes it's not even like because I'm not. It's not even because I I'm not interested it's that it's the information's coming too quickly and then i'm like who are you like i haven't met you yet so i you i don't know you at all it doesn't you know it just um but it also is one of those things where i wonder how many people it's kind of like there's always like another face so you come home from you know people come home from their dates and then it's like they're swiping on their way home from the date on the dates so I've, i've had people swipe on dates you have in oh, front I've of you caught them. Oh, I've definitely come on. No. So, and, and so this is what's going on. It, you're hundred percent right in that everyone thinks that there's always something better these days. So even yeah. if you're all having a lovely date, like and what's really deflating about that is like, I was an emo kid growing up. I'm still a little bit of an emo guy. I'm a Pisces. So I'm allowed to be emo. Oh. Um, what's your birthday? March 16th. Oh, my son's the 17th. St. Nice. Patrick's day. Nice. He, that see that always bothered me because I always felt that St. Patrick's Day stole the thunder even from March 16th. So he must be really upset. Well, we make it a thing. Like we nice. are Jews, but we ha- we go full green clover all over the house, nice. and it's he thinks it's actually his like birthday logo. So he owns it. Yeah, he owns it. Yeah, he, owns it. Um, he thinks St. Patrick's Day belongs to him. So uh, it does. But, well, I did tell him every year on his birthday there was going to be a parade, and so that—that's <laughs> the truth. When he was born, I told him that, and that's the truth. <laughs> um, going back to the to the dating apps, though, like the the grass is always greener on your side. Like it's a tough world, and so the same way you're getting bombarded by as much as I, I feel the same way half the time. So I don't hold you accountable. What I would love to equate it to is, like, if you are walking into a bar, right? So, like, traditionally people would meet people at bars at the local watering holes. What would these dating apps look like in real life if you walked into a bar? And and each, like, app kind of has their own personality, right? So, like, if you're on Bumble, basically you walk into the bar and it's a bunch of, you know, women who have to say hello to the men first in the bar. Uh Uh-huh. But then at the end of the day, the whole bar ends up being people talking for, with someone. It's like speed dating, but a terrible version of it. Because you're talking to one person, and then you just immediately stop talking to someone and just say hello to someone else. You know how rude that would be in real life if that was yeah. what happened? How's <laughs> it going? True, by the way. It's Great. True. How's it going? Good. You start revealing details of your life, and then just mid-sentence, you just start talking to someone else. Yeah, and then that's you just what, disappear. That's the behavior on these apps. And like, I do think there's some component there that just doesn't match up with how you should interact with people in real life. I know it's it's not good. It's there's there's got to be a better way. Um, you know, I think when these apps started, and it wasn't so many people, and so but now there's so many apps, so many people. All the people are on all the apps. You know, you don't have to pay. Um, so that's like, you know, when something's free, it's like, you know, whatever, it's like a free for all policy. Yeah, exactly. And so, 
Um, I just think that that's, you know, it's, I don't know. So I have a fun thing to do. Yeah. I've been waiting to do this on probably at least five episodes of this podcast, and now we're finally going to do it. I want to come up with ways in 2019 to improve dating apps. Okay. So I'll go first, because I think this is a genius idea. So one of the major problems... I feel are with the apps are are you know it's ghosting. Like, it's a huge problem. People ghost each other. They don't have like any regard for you know what that might mean to someone if they ghost them. And maybe this is ghosting like after a first date. Maybe it's ghosting after the first conversation. But if you're a ghoster, you should be labeled as a ghoster, and you should have to have a badge on your profile, right in your picture that has a ghost badge. And so people know you're going to get ghosted, potentially. This is a high... There's a high probability that this guy or woman, this male or female, will ghost you. It's terrible, because I know I would have that that icon. Well, you deserve it. (laughs) It's like, I know. It's, like, so bad. It's like the scarlet letter of today's (laughs) world. Oh, my God. But I wouldn't ever ghost on a person I had met, like, I had actually met. That would never happen. So there can be different degrees of this ghosting badge. It could be, like, a super ghost, which is someone who would do that. Yeah, that's, by the way, that's not nice. No, it's not. But people do it because people don't have manners anymore. I sound like, get off my lawn, people. Like, I'm very (laughs) angry. Um, All right, so I came up with one idea. You come up with, now it's your turn. You know, it's really hard because I've I've thought about this one for a long time about how there should be a review system like does this person. But then I realized that would never work because if someone went on a date and the guy didn't call them again or whatever, that you could get like a scorned like person, you know, they can give you a bad review just because you didn't like them. So I wish there was some evaluating system to see like. Because my big thing about those apps is it doesn't like you have no context of what the person who the person is and what they're going through. So it's like I tell people all the time, my friends who are dating a lot, um, I'm like, you don't know, like he could have just broken up with someone. He could still be going through like heartbreak. You know what I mean? Like there's like a million things you don't know about someone. Yeah. Um, Again, like no one's going to be that forthcoming, but I do, I do appreciate when people do write things like, yeah, not looking for anything serious or whatever, just because at least they're being upfront, you know. Yeah, you are uh, basically a Yelp type experience. I want, I want a full Yelp experience. That's the only thing I'm signing up for. So that would get um, really messy because people would write really nasty things about bedroom behavior. That's why that wouldn't work. Or maybe there could be something like Meet My Mother. Like, that would be a good app, Ooh, Meet My Mother, where like you send that. people on dates with your mom. And then your mom can make the decision. I like that. that that's, because hey, maybe we've all become so idea. jaded. I know. Please. By the way, take it and make it your own, Meet yeah. My Mother. I'm giving it to you as a gift. Um, but What if your mom then got ghosted? She would be upset and she'd be like, forget him. He ghosted me. Um, But uh, I think I was listening to one of your other episodes where you talked about if there was a podcast you could listen to. Did you say that on one of your episodes? I think I did. I think you're right. That's why I started. I wanted to start 
But I, I like that I idea. Tweeted, I may have tweeted that, but yeah, so the idea. I think you said it in, in, in one of your podcasts that I listened to because I, I like that idea because I think what people have to say and what their view on issues are and if they can have a conversation is a big deal. Well, people, I agree. And so, like, I think what I said for the audience who hasn't listened to every episode of this podcast, and shame on you, um, but I think I said that you should have a dating app where, like, you just listen to other people's podcasts about, like, their life or whatever, so you actually get to know them. You don't... Look, you, physical appearance is always going to be a thing that comes into play, so it's tough to say, like, you should only judge someone on their, their voice and their experiences, but I think if you actually listen to what someone says and hear a little bit more of that story, because I do think right now that the current dating culture and dating scene is very, very, very superficial, and like you said, people aren't really getting to know each other, and so that was kind of the inspiration for that idea. I mean, I remember in high school, when you when you got a crush on someone in high school, you went all out. You went, like, yeah, say anything. Yeah. Thing, Boombox, John Cusack, you know, you you know, you went all out. I remember I used to like write songs for girls and make them mixtapes and like play the guitar. And then some things like I could look back right now and be like, that oh, you went overboard there. But at least I did go overboard. Where now it's kind of like the the hardest thing to do is to show up for the date. Yeah. Well, I was saying to you earlier, like I, you know, I have a dog and Netflix, and I'm. <laughs> I'm really happy with that. Like, I don't want to leave my house. There are two things that kind of have... I don't want to say they've destroyed modern culture because I love Netflix. Uh, it's one of the greatest inventions of all time. But there's this feeling... So you go on the dating apps, you see there's a world out there, and you connect with people, so you think you're making progress. And then you go and turn on Netflix, and then you feel comfortable in watching Netflix by yourself or with your dog. But then because you still have made progress in dating because you have these matches, your life has gone really great. Hey, I'm not trying You're to be morbid. You're so right. Here, yeah, no, like but it's this, morbid. It's pretty morbid. It's You're right. It's a small sense We're, that things are going great. and and. But that, and that's the thing about social media. It's like a false connection with people, right? Yeah. I guess it's not false in the sense like, look, there's friends of mine I had from high school who I've not seen in so long, but I see their families and I actually get really happy. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cute. He looks just like you or whatever. Um but then there's also the risk of like, you know, the, the, a lot of people portray fake, um, their fake selves online. So you're like, oh my God, like, you know, people are like, look at, look, I'm a mess. I'm sitting here watching Netflix with my dog and other people are all dressed up. And like, and if anyone, anyone knows me, I'm usually like in a t-shirt and jeans. Like I dress like, like basically a 14 year old boy. So, um, or the, the blanket thing that you were wearing or the blanket yeah. or the blanket. Um, you're going to have to read that by the way. You'd really like that. I remember seeing it. Like there's, there's something I, I think I've seen like the content that was around there. Or you um, posted a photo of you. I recently, like, I recently posted because the, um, the, oh, the creator who actually I was just watching on QVC right before we got on the phone, uh, she donates uh, a blanket to an animal shelter for every one you buy. Or, uh, so um, I love that because I rescued my dog and I love dog rescue. Big shout things. out for rescuing dogs. Everyone should do it. Yes, I got, I got my dog. If you've gotten a pedigree dog. You might as well just stop listening to this podcast. Well, did you see that California now is enforced that all dogs at pet stores have to be from 
shelters. No, but I'm, I'm very in favor of that. Yeah, it's a huge thing. It's a new law in California. It's huge. I got my dog from Puerto Rico through the Sado Project, and she's an angel. Your dog is straight out of the Wes Anderson movie. I know, and my dog is like a nano-influencer, if I do right. say so myself. Oh, don't even get me started on nano-influencer. <laughs> my dog has like a thousand followers or Your more. Dog. Your dog could maybe take on the egg. My dog, it could maybe... I tried with the last post, but it didn't work. Yeah, because no one cares anymore. Um, Nobody cares anymore. That's it. The end. We're done. I mean, we don't care about anything. We're terrible people now. We, I, I have hope. Let's not... Let's... Well, actually, that's not fair. That's not fair to say that we don't care about anything, because there is a very odd thing going on, right? We're going to talk about this uh, before we go, but... Um, we have a president. Am I allowed to talk about the president? Yeah, let's go for it. I, it, I mean, it, it, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything I've political. already kind of oh, put I'm not going to say anything political. Okay. But we have, I say this all the time, we have a president who is allowed to say anything, right? For the first time ever, he's allowed to tweet anything, say anything. It doesn't matter if it's offensive or what. Yet we, as people, are getting more and more offended by everything else. Like, right. it's... A very weird thing, especially for me, I work in comedy, and you're not allowed to make jokes anymore. It's basically making jokes is a dead art because everyone is offended by everything. Um, And, you know, that's where Marie Kondo comes in. I knew you were going to bring up Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo, for those of you who, again, this nice lady who's bringing joy to people is now under fire. Marie Kondo strikes fear in my heart, and she reminds me of an old boss, and so I get PTSD every time I turn her on. But I'm in the minority. People absolutely love Marie Kondo, except for these few people that you've brought up. Well, I was really stunned to go onto Twitter and see headlines that Marie Kondo, everyone's offended by Marie Kondo, because I guess she's encouraging people to edit their book collection to declutter their house. And I guess that's now considered offensive. When did people love books? When did they start loving books so much? Isn't that why Amazon Kindle does so well? Because people don't like books. Look, look, she wasn't telling people to burn their books. She right. wasn't like everyone. Like Fahrenheit 451 condo. Uh, she didn't say burn your books. You know, look, I, I will never throw books away. It's like a weird thing. I give books away. Or if I am going to get rid of them, I leave them outside my door, like stacked up so people can take them. Um, but she did not say burn your books, you know, forget literature. She just was like the ones you don't read, like you don't need to keep in your house. And I guess that's offensive, which is very confusing to me. But people, we people are getting very offended lately. It's it's a tough thing to tackle. I mean, I, we, the Gillette ad that just came out that we mentioned, like, how can you be upset about a positive message like, hey, men, stop being, you know, jerks and and start cleaning up your behavior. And yeah, that is a message that should get out there. And people have found that to be offensive. Um, Yeah, that's telling men that like they are better than these headlines, which, you know, like, look, I think it's interesting to see the, the cross section of people that are offended. Like, I wouldn't be offended if someone was like, women, you know, let's teach our girls to grow up to be strong women. Let's teach them to be kind. I mean, like, it's not a personal attack on me or women. It's 
we're going to reverse like the headlines and now the stereotypes and people are very angry at Gillette. Not all of them. Gillette's getting a lot of support, obviously, but, you know, again, just like the Nike thing, people are like throwing their Gillette razors in the garbage and posting videos of it. Yeah, it's, it's, I personally love my Gillette razor. Again, Gillette, not a sponsor yet, but if you're listening, we like Gillette. Yes, I also like Gillette. We like, everyone loves Gillette. I actually just remembered another idea for the online dating that I need to get off my chest. Oh, okay. So, you should be able to find people for bad behavior in the apps, and, like, you could integrate, like, Venmo or something into to these apps. But, like, if you send a lewd picture on the app, unsolicited, you should get fined. And so someone could fine you, like, five bucks for that lewd photo. Oh, that's that a good, good idea. Yeah, yeah, you monetize it. Or, if you don't show up to the date if you ghost not only do you get the ghost badge you get fined and eventually if you're a bad person on these apps either you're going to have all these badges on your profile no one's going to ever swipe on you or you're going to rack up so many fines that you either clean up your act or you stop being part of the dating pool (laughs) i yeah i mean i like it i like it Someone needs to hire me at these apps. So uh, I mean, it sounds like it. I've, I've thought long and hard about. Have you thought about business. going into the dating app business, uh, consulting for dating apps? Is that uh, even a thing? I I don't know, but there seems there to be. There are a- definitely people. Who oh, play. and that's like actually, hitch. it's hitch for online dating. Actually, I'm going to ask you about this because you work in marketing. Yeah. Um, but. I saw someone describe their title the other day as a brand architect. That Have you seen like, that? Was his name George Costanza? Like, I literally was like, is this what it's come to? Brand architect? I've like, seen, instead of, like, brand development or marketing, it's now I'm a brand architect. The truth is the word brand in itself is kind of bs to begin with. Like, oh, it, is like, it? It's a little bit. Like, if anyone says, like, I struggle because sometimes, like, I, you know, like, hey, you're in marketing, what do you do? Uh, brand development, brand management. <sighs> That's a tough one. You know, to be, I, the worst one that I've seen, brand architect is pretty high up on there. Brand Wait. guru, brand guru. Oh, you know, I have not seen brand, brand I've seen guru. brand whisperer, which to me is like, oh, you know, oh. images of, like, Native American, like, on a, you know, like, whispering in the wind, like, getting, like, montage videos, like, brand whisper. I don't know. Like, I hope I didn't just offend anyone. Uh, I'll write the apology. Brand whisper? That's, like, brand unicorn herder. It's, like... Yeah. It's... So, to answer your question, what does that person do? I don't know. It builds brands, I suppose. If you're an architect, you build structures. There's a lot of that type of title stuff. I've never really cared all that much about titles but i will say this and again this is kind of the larry david to me i also don't like people who come up with these like counterculture titles for their jobs like these like anarchy titles to sound cool and funny i think oh yeah well and in my in my business you get a lot of what is your personal brand i'm like um i don't have one i'm just a person I saw someone tweet about their personal brand the other day, and, like, they had a, a, a lecture. I, I won't go into details. It's, maybe this person does listen to podcasts, but it was it was, it was was a revelation to know that there can be personal brand development. Oh, there's a, a big thing about personal brands, especially especially if... Uh, look, I, I want to say entertainment, but now everyone has a brand, right? Everyone is... 
everyone, we're in an influencer culture. Everyone is an Instagram model. Everyone is a lifestyle influencer. It's like, it's like we are again, I guess everyone is a brand, right? Instead of having a personality, you have a brand. Maybe that's our future. So how do we create a utopia and avoid this dystopian view of the world? You know, what, what are, what are the things we can do with our personal brands to, to save the world from social media fatigue, from content overload, from, from bad dating experiences? First of all, I think that we will hopefully see a shift in, in social media. I'm saying this, by the way, I sound like a grandmother. It's going to be one of those things where I'm like, we're going to see it. Look, but it, it all moves very fast. We have no idea what's in the pike, but I think at some point, everyone's feeling a little overloaded right now, and there's going to be a little bit of a backslide. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I have no idea. This is just me speaking about my own personal feelings. I'm not an expert in any way, shape, or form. But um, I would love, you know, I would love to, I do uh, Instagram detoxes often where I will just like take the app on my, off my phone, you know, um, because of what I do, I get, you know, I have to sign contracts with brands that I'm doing things for and I have to do a certain number of posts and I have to keep it up for a certain number of time. And, you know, so I have to maintain that presence. Um, but I often wish there was no social media at all. Um, I really think it's going to be the downfall. Look, I love Google. I'm glad we have Google. I'm glad we have Spotify and I'm glad we have like streaming television. So I never have to ever leave or go anywhere. Um, and I'm glad I, mean, I have I like the seamless the app. I like all the voice assistants. I love shout out to Alexa. It's probably gonna go on right now. Cause I said it. Uh, I love that. So technology can be good. Technology can so be very good, but I think that, um, you know, we have to be, it's a very slippery slope where we're headed. Uh, it's with social media. And I really wonder about the effects of the children growing up in a culture where everything is based on likes. That's really scary and, and sad because I think for kids, it's already hard enough being a teenager. And now you have to be a teenager and see you got 20 likes and this other person got 500 likes. I mean, that's no self-esteem booster. You know, that's oh. a it's awful. I mean, nothing intimidates me more than the thought of bringing children into this world of social media. Like, it's a really tough thing. And I'm very glad that I didn't grow up. I didn't get Facebook until my first year of college. It served a purpose then, uh, I, you know, to introduce yourself to new people at college. It was only open to 13 schools at the time when I got it. So it was a limited audience. Um, you know, but if I had grown up with the apps, like, oh, man, it would be it's tough, like trying to judge, you know, how you're doing in life based off of how many people are liking you. I mean, we do this as adults sometimes. I, I think we're a little we have a little more common sense, but there are, I have plenty of people my age who probably are still validating their days based on how many likes they get, which is dangerous. But imagine that then young, impressionable minds. I mean, the weirdest thing I did online and a lot of kids did this and it wasn't smart. But I remember when you were back in the day, you know, we had like AOL chat rooms. And looking back on this, I'm, I'm not proud, but like you would go into these chat rooms and people would type, the first thing you would type would be A slash S slash L. And it was age, sex, location. Looking back on that, like it's so it, dangerous. So <laughs> dangerous and so weird that we all participated. And every one of my friends did this. And if, if one of my friends is going to say, I didn't do this, 
you're lying. Stop listening to this show. I'm losing listeners by the minute. Um, it's okay. We only want quality listeners on the show. They're honest. But, uh, yeah, it was this really weird thing. But that's, like, the worst thing we kind of grew up with. Like, that type of chat room atmosphere, which wasn't cool. You were telling me about a story about you had, like, a phone-in dial yeah, so back in the olden days, in 1910, um, we had something called the party line. And it was, you'd call, and it was like a 1-900 number, which was um, the exchange for like a pay-per-minute call, um, which I don't even think they have those anymore, obviously. Um, but it was called the party line, and strangers would call in, and it would be like a group chat on only on the phone and me and my sister would sneak into the party line and we'd call and we were like you know little little kids so we were like 10 and 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 we uh, we would disguise our voices to sound like grown-ups to listen to these grown-ups like mingling in a basic chat room but on the telephone and that's crazy but it's not any different than like an AOL chat room or now they have something called house party that the kids get on and it's like it's a group chat. You could have like 20 people in the room on FaceTime. Yeah. You realize that this all planned, these early chat rooms, that weird phone line that you dialed into, it set the stage for what's going on today. <laughs> We're responsible stage. for all of this. So in oh, order to end line. it, it was such a simpler time paying a dollar a minute to disguise your voice and pretend you were a grown up. Oh. I really need to but find about that. Even that sounds super creepy. It's so creepy. Are you kidding me? Me and my friends laugh about it all the time. Like, we're like, it's so creepy. We'd call the party line. It's the same reason people would get in an AOL chat room. Like, it's like a connection to other people when you're, like, in your home. And, like, this was before the internet, right? It was before cell phones. It was before, you know, it was before call waiting, Andy. I have a solution for all this. Well, actually, there was call waiting. That's I have a solution for all this. People just need to listen to Marie Kondo and just stay get rid of everything get rid of everything but but only keep the books you want and just read those books keep your noses in books right for everyone listening out there just read more and, and read become more. smarter and stay away from these weird snapchat grouping experiences and you know get off your phones a little bit more totally totally uh, on that note what are you working on that we should be listening to coming up so I have a podcast that's coming out uh, in February, and it's called Social Studies. Uh, the reason it's called Social Studies is because all my work is kind of like a reflects what we're doing socially and how it's affecting our society. So I'm going to touch on some topics that, you know, I haven't been able to video and some stuff that's going on in the news and also my own social experiment. I recently got a house upstate in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and I like to call it like my baby boom experience, like Diane Keaton and baby boom. Did you see that? Probably not. No, Uh, most, (laughs) most of the world at this point probably hasn't. So but uh, it's like Diane Keaton buys a house upstate and she moves there. She was this high powered lawyer. She moves up there and she buys this old house and she doesn't know how to have a house. She's bored up there and she starts making applesauce and then it becomes this big whatever. You should watch it. It's actually a great movie. I just made I just made my son watch it and he loved it. I don't have but, enough time. I need to celebrate. <laughs> add it to there. your queue. Yeah. Add it to your queue. I'm really but, excited um, about the Fire Festival documentary, by the way. We haven't talked about that. Yeah. That's, that's my name. Yeah. Uh, that's 
that's the next thing. But, you know, so just there's like, you know, the whole experience of, by the way, living, you know, I'm a born and raised New Yorker, New York City, grew up with supers, didn't live in a house. Uh, so the whole experience of taking care of a house is killing me, but uh, it's fun. I like it. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that, too. So it's like your own take on like HDTV, like experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although a total failure, and I have to outsource everything. I have um, high hopes for it. I look forward to listening to it. Thank you very much, and thanks so much for having me on. I will. I hope for sure back. have you on mine. I oh, will I be back. Wait. This is really fun, and I will have you on my podcast as well, so your listeners can hear Andy talk more about his. More about myself. Dating app inventions yeah. and whatnot uh, on but social you need, you need to make this podcast episode go viral. I need to make it what? Make it go viral. I'm relying on you to make this podcast. Oh, my God. Go so viral. much pressure. I told you no, I can't make anything go viral any, anymore. Make teed up great again. Make teed up great again. Teed up is great. And you know what? I'm really enjoying my tea. I know. What are you drinking? I... Am I allowed to say what I'm drinking? No. <laughs> okay, so I'm drinking mint tea. Oh, delightful. It's delicious, I, and it's I, the perfect temperature as we're well. into the nighttime, and so Grandpa Andy has his honey chamomile tea ready to go. Oh, wow. That sounds like a party in your mouth. So I need to get back to that tea, and you need okay. to get back to yours. Jenna, yes. thanks so much for being on the show, and we'll, we'll have you, you back on very soon. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. There you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Teed Up. I had a blast talking with Jenna Kingsley. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for listening. And let's really make 2019 a year of tea. This is Teed Up, and I'm Andy Rosenberg.